You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 6th, and earlier today, Atlanta United defeated Seattle 2-1 on an amazing goal by Andrew Gutman, a true golazo. I hate that that word gets thrown around so often to describe what are sometimes very normal goals. But this one was a fantastic left-footed strike from about 22, 24 yards into the lower right corner, through a crowd, just blistered the, blistered it, blistered the ball. And of more importance, it helped Atlanta United win just its third in its past 12 games. And as of right now, it is just one point below the playoff line in the Eastern Conference. We're not going to go into all the playoff scenarios because there's still a lot of games to be played in the remainder of today. But it was a fantastic goal. It sent outgoing president Daniels out on his 50th birthday with a much-needed win and a little bit of confidence for this team in its uh, last 11 games, six on the road, five at home. The next one is at Cincinnati. So let's go through some stats real quick from this. Ronaldo Cisneros opened the scoring in the 23rd minute on a sequence that is one that I think summarizes what Pineda wants from this offense better than any other, and you're going to hear him talk about that in a few minutes. And then Gutman's strike in the fourth minute of stoppage time, so the 94th minute. In between, Christian rolled on, scored in the 68th minute on, it was kind of a broken play, kind of a helter-skelter kind of a thing in the in the 18-yard uh, box. But he did what he needed to do and put it in. This game, statistically, was a little bit different than a lot of Atlanta United games because everything was backward. Seattle had more of the possession, 51.3. Seattle had better expected goals, 1.32 to 1.85. Seattle had more total shots, but Atlanta United had more shots on target, 5 to 4. That's a little bit different than typical. Seattle had more passes, but Atlanta United's passing accuracy was better. Seattle had significantly more passes in the final third, 169 to 98. Seattle had more crosses, but Atlanta United came out the winner. Among the individuals, I thought Tiago Almada had a good game. I thought Luis Araujo had a good game. I thought Caleb Wiley had another good game. I thought Sosa had a very good game. Araujo started on the left instead of on the right, and Cisneros started on the right. I like that better than the inverted type wingers that Pineda prefers to use, and I think you saw some benefits from that today. There was more space in the field because players weren't dribbling into the middle 
and taking up other people's spaces. Um, Seattle, Christian Roldan led in shots, shots on target, five and two. Alex Roldan led in chances created four. And of course, I need to say that this was a matchup of Pineda against his mentor, Brian Schmetzer. Pineda played for Seattle, was an assistant coach for Seattle, helped them win many, many games, many, many trophies. So this was a big, big win, not only for the team, but for him. So here is Gonzalo Pineda. I asked him if Andrew Gutman's goal is a type that can spark this team to a playoff run. Andrew Gutman's goal, I mean, I think it was perfect. It was the perfect end for kind of a message that we've been telling the players the last week. Like, we, do, we, we talk a lot about our identity as a team, and we always, coaches, we always message uh, creating more and better chances than the opponent and dominating possession and being the attacking front and be dynamic and making runs in behind and create a lot of chances from deeper areas so we create more quality chances and, and a lot of stuff like that. And at some point, uh, we said, okay, I don't care how, but today we need the three points. I don't care if it is uh, we dominate in possession, great. If we don't, if we score a goal in the last minute, let's do it. And then Andrew gave us that, and, and it was just a perfect ending for my message before the game. So it was just a perfect ending for a game that probably we could have played better. But due to the circumstances and all that, I think it's a, a very good victory for, for the team. Now, the first goal, I mentioned that I thought it was a perfect goal because it encapsulated a lot of the things that Pineda has been trying to get this team to do. Caleb Wiley was about 25, 28 yards from goal, kind of on the left edge of the 18-yard box. He passed it into space behind Seattle's back line where Luis Arahujo, who was sprinting like a madman, caught up to it. He hit a low cross back across the penalty box. There were several targets within the box. The first target missed, but the second target, Cisneros, did not. So here's Pineda after I asked him, is this the type of goal that you're trying to get out of this team? That's very accurate. That's actually something that we've been working very hard in the last few weeks on, on yes, we want a lot of a lot of combination play and good quality in terms of possession, disrupting all that, but we, we have to finalize that with uh, better chances. And that means from deeper areas, getting runs in behind is key for us. You saw today Mosquera a little bit, he, what he can bring. He can bring a little bit that explosion in the final third that we need. In the goal, Luis was fantastic with that sprint and then uh, that that ball with a lot of players inside the box. So it was actually, you are very correct, that's kind of an example of what we ambition in the final third. Hey, it's always nice to hear that I'm finally correct about something. Um, Andrew Gutman was the first to get interviewed in the locker room, and he was a bit stunned by the pack that was waiting for him. So I asked him, when he hit that ball, did he know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It bounced up perfectly. They made, they made fun of me because uh, last week in Chicago, I had like a crazy bad cross. So the fact that I scored this goal kind of like, gets him to shut up. And you can hear the locker room was a pretty happy place. There was a, a giant boombox playing some of uh, my producer Shane's favorite songs. And here's Gutman asking, after I asked him, what could this do for the team for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think it's just a confidence booster. I mean, yeah, I scored the goal, but these guys played their hearts off for 90 minutes. I came in 10 minutes and, and helped the team. So we've been playing, you know, great football, and we got to just start, you know, capitalizing on, on goals and chances, and I think we'll be okay. And I asked Gutman if he was surprised that Seattle didn't close him down at all. He kind of had some space, and he was allowed to let the ball bounce before he able, uh, put his laces through it. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe they were tired. I, I don't know. And you don't really expect a, I was playing center back at the time. You don't expect the center back to come into that into that pocket. So it just kind of worked out. So there you go. Then we were able to talk with Alan Franco. The defense has only allowed one goal in the past two games, which is a good sign for them. So I asked him, what is the team's confidence level going into its final 11 regular season games? I think we're getting better every day. Uh, you know, we're working to continue to improve, um, as I said, daily. But I think we've got a great group of defenders, and we just got to keep working. And then I asked him when he saw the Gutman strike, before you saw it go in, what was going through your head? I was joking with him that he closed his eyes and hit it. But I've, <laughs> but I've also seen him strike the ball really hard, so we know he's capable of it. Um, at the moment, I, I didn't know it was going in, that he was going to score a golazo like that. Um, but, yeah, he's a great player, and I think it's, uh, it's important. It's going to give us confidence moving forward. Ronaldo Cisneros was the second to be interviewed. Uh, always a good guy. He now leads the team with seven goals scored. I asked him what could this victory do for the team. The victory is very important for the team because it's something that we've been searching for in the last games, um, trying to get the three points, and I think the team has been working really hard. So a victory like this is important, and it's going to get a, give us a lot of motivation to keep working hard. I asked him about the sequence of passes on that first goal and if it's a confidence boost, seeing as how it resulted in a goal. Those goals are, are always great because it's a product of the work of the whole team. So it's like Gonzalo has said before, you know, on Seppi's goals, they're, they're goals that everyone's involved. Um, so it's, you know, it's not just myself, it's a credit to everyone. And then here's the final bit of audio from the game, and it's my favorite answer to a question I asked Cisneros. When Gutman struck it, did you think it was going in? <laughs> See? <laughs> the funny part about that was he was actually silent for about five seconds. He was just kind of smiling. And then finally he said, see. Um, so I thought that was pretty good. All right, we're going to go to the break. And when we come back, I'm going to answer some of your questions. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on the Twitters at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. Now, let's get into some of your 
questions in reverse order from how they were entered. Here is Greg asking, has Joseph's game changed? Notice I didn't say evolved. He seems unable to take defenders on 1v1 and has trouble getting behind the defense when he is not offside. Somewhat like a shooter in basketball that cannot create his own shot, but he needs the ball placed perfectly. He just seems stationary. Yeah, Joseph, in my opinion, his past two games have not been very good. He's now scoreless in his past six. He just seems to be without confidence uh, when he gets around the penalty box. I, I don't know. That's just my observation. He scuffs a lot of shots. Um, he, he's having to come back more and more to get the ball and then kind of doing these one-touch passes instead of turning and, and trying to challenge a defender. I don't know how much of that is his confidence, how much of that is his knee, how much of that is tactics. But, yeah, it, it does seem like he's he's still not quite right. He's, he's Obviously, he's much better than he was. But, again, he hasn't scored in six games. So, We'll have to see what happens. And, and Greg, I'm not going to get into the next question you asked. Uh, I've kind of covered my thoughts on that before. Adam, first, wants to say, forgot to add thank you and happy birthday to Darren Eels. His character helped forge the team's relationship with the fans, and I will forever appreciate his contribution to building our foundation. Cheers and best of luck to him in the future. Monday is his technically last day in the office with Atlanta United before he joins Newcastle as its CEO on August 22nd. I threw out on Twitter earlier today that I wonder if there be should be something done to honor Eels. Three trophies, first MLS Cup, started the franchise, basically. And thinking about it on the drive home, you know how much Eels loved the supporters and how much most of the supporters loved him. The 17s and all that, that was Eels' invention, the golden spike, all that was partially Eels' brainchild along with the marketing department and the supporters' groups. I think it would be cool if the supporter stand was named the Eels stand. Um, that's just me. If y'all like that idea, you can run with it. If you don't, that's okay too. But on to the rest of Adam's questions. Is it me or did Seattle press harder on whichever side or a Hujo blade? It sure seemed the first half they worked Atlanta's left hard, and then in the second they focused on the right. Coincidence, strategy, or me seeing things? No, I think... What they tried to do in the first half was they were picking on McFadden and they didn't really get any joy out of that. And then they switched to Wiley, which a lot of teams have done. You saw NYCFC do that. You've seen quite a few opponents. They'll try the one side. and If that doesn't work, they'll go to the other. I don't mean to pick on Ozetu after his injury, Adam says, but I have to question what his role was supposed to be before unfortunately hurting his ankles. He seemed all over the place and spent a lot of time chasing the ball out wide, which seemed to contribute to the team's marking issues on the defense. With Sosa as his partner today, which was primarily the DM, how well did you rate Huzetu's performance? I've shared my thoughts on Huzetu many, many, many times. He's a very, very nice guy. I just don't know what one thing he does well. When I look at him, the first question you have to ask yourself about any player is, how is that player going to get me three points? And with Huzetu, I have a hard time seeing it. Now, you saw today... When Hazetu suffered his unfortunate injuries, Pineda did something we have not seen him do, and he brought in another attacking midfielder, Marcelino Moreno, and switched to a single defensive midfielder, Santiago Sosa. This team needs wins. It needs goals. I'm going to be really, really curious if Pineda experiments with this formation in coming games. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it looked fun. 
I don't know what the stats were from the time Moreno came in till the end of the game. Pineda obviously needs to make sure the defense is taken care of first because you can't win if you're allowing goals. But I'm really curious to see what's going to happen coming up. Noah says, I'm a very happy fan today. I want to point out a Mike Conti tweet. Did Goat Man truly save the season for the time being like he said? I think this win certainly helps our case to make a run. Well, you're just going to have to wait and get my take on that and the story that I'm either going to write later tonight or in the AM and post on AJC.com and from my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Here's Nathan, longtime listener, first-time caller. Well, thanks, Nathan. The thing that has bothered me this season is the supporters groups. I'm a member of two of them. That seems odd to me, but okay. And I always enjoyed that they brought together people and united them from every walk of life, politics, race, sex, and neighborhood to support the club and build relationships. Now, it seems they care more about social and political issues than supporting the club and uniting people together. It's even starting to show in the supporter section atmosphere. Energy and chance just feel different. Am I alone feeling this way? Now, you're not alone. Some people have expressed this to me. I don't think it's a, a change of sport to politics. I think it's just politics being mixed in with sport. And there is a difference. There is gray in between then. Um, I am not going to criticize people for expressing their political beliefs at a sporting arena. Um, and if you disagree, you're more than welcome to share your beliefs. I've read some comments from people on this podcast who were critical of the supporters groups when they were expressing their condemnation of the Roe v. Wade decision recently made by the Supreme Court. Um, I won't tolerate people lying about facts and distorting facts like the guy who just got uh, found for $42.5 million or $45.2 million the other day. But I don't, I don't think there's a change. I just think there's an addition. So that's my thought on that, Stephen. And you're a Liverpool fan. God, today was horrible. Oy. Anyway, Dave says, I really enjoy the podcast. What was the story on the yellow card given to the ATL sideline? It was given to one of the assistant coaches. I think it was uh, Klein it was given to. Um, it was uh, after the Hazetto second ankle injury. Thanks for your high-quality reporting and analysis. Dave from Decatur. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. And now let's go to the Twitters and answer a few questions from the good people there. Here was Nick, friend of the podcast. I'm wondering how many points from the next five games you think Atlanta needs to make the playoffs. How many do you think they'll get in actuality? Thank you. It's a tough question because, as many of you know, the team still has yet to win back-to-back -back games in MLS this season. We're now 23 games played. It seems unlikely that it's going to happen, but at the same time, the team is also starting to get healthy. Going to Cincinnati, that's going to be a tough ask with Brandon Vasquez, who's a handful. Then you get Red Bulls coming to Mercedes-Benz. Okay, so let's say let's say they scratch out a tie against Cincinnati. Let's say they beat Red Bulls. That's four points. At Columbus, tough ask. Columbus has got has added to its offense. I think that's a loss. At home against D.C., I think that's a win. At Philadelphia, that I think is almost certainly going to be a loss. So that's seven points from five games. There are 11 games left, 33 possible points. I think Atlanta United has got to get probably around 22 to qualify for the playoffs. That's just done off the top of my head doing some quick math. Um, so they got their work cut out for you. Henry, friend of the podcast, says, is this what it means to pull a Sounders? Uh, I guess so. 
uh, pulling out a late win. There you go. Uh, this team looked quite different from the one that played possibly the most boring game in MLS history against Chicago last week. What changed? Well, they were playing at home. That's what changed. Um, yeah, that's what changed. They were playing at home. For some reason, they have confidence at home that they don't have on the road. Edwin Mascara played his first minutes in an Atlanta United jersey. He looked quick, but what else do you think he could bring to the team? Does he start at left wing over Wally Cisneros going forward? I don't think so. I think he'll continue to come off the bench until he gets a level of comfort in the lineup and Pineda gets a level of comfort with him. I'm very, very glad that Mascara didn't score because I made a bet with the guys in the press box that if he did, I was going to have to dye my hair blonde. And I'm already goofy enough looking as it is without having blonde hair. And Henry continues, Joseph, what are we going to do, man? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Brian says, late arriving crowd, our fans finally showing the FO they want better. There was gigantic traffic issues outside Mercedes-Benz Stadiums today. That's what led to that. And that is going to wrap up our questions and our podcast. Again, Atlanta United, 2-1 winners over Seattle. They go to play at Cincinnati next Saturday. I will be there. I'm excited to see the new stadium. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Oh, and I also want to say today I went to the tailgate for the very first time to see a, a good friend of mine, and I met several other people, so that was really cool. So thank you for saying hello to me. Thank you to the person that encouraged me to go to the tailgate, and we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.